Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Tonight we're going to be looking at the third redemptive name, and uh, this is the name of Jehovah Rapha, or the Lord that healeth. So Acts chapter 7, I just want to draw to your attention, and you'll only have this if you've got the King James, the Apostle Paul's version, okay? So in verse 37... <clears throat> Acts 37, uh, Acts 7, sorry, Acts 7, verse 37. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear. And here's the expression I want you to note. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. Now, I know some of the newer translations have congregation, and that's true congregation in the wilderness, but the uh, Greek word there is ecclesia or ecclesia, it's the church in the wilderness. So we've said this before. Uh, Israel is the Old Testament church. So if you're taking down additional notes on the back of the sheet or wherever, let's put up here the, what we're looking at tonight. Israel, Old Testament Israel, the church in the wilderness. God's Old Testament church. Just as we are the New Testament church, Israel was the Old Testament church. What does the word church mean? Ecclesia, ek out of, kaleo, to call out of. So it's the called out ones. They were called out of Egypt. They are the ecclesia, the called out ones. A nation called as a nation out of, the, out of the midst of the nation. So they are the church, the congregation, the ecclesia, the called out company, the called out nation out of the midst of the nations, God's church. So this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Another very familiar scripture that we have here. <clears throat> Acts chapter 10. And two uh, particular verses here that Paul has. You'll notice that uh, uh, we'll pick uh, some of this up a little bit more here. But, uh, in fact, we'll pick it up right now. Verse uh, 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Notice what Paul does just in sweeping. We've had cause to refer to this before, but let's pick it up in the light of our chapter tonight. In, uh, in fact, let's just see what he does in Corinthians as a whole. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and, uh, uh, yeah, 1 Corinthians 5, Paul deals with Exodus 12. I want you to see how, how uh, 1 Corinthians, the epistle, the first epistle to the Corinthian church, actually sort of covers a lot of the book of Exodus. So let's see what chapters Paul sort of sweeps over in, in one interpretive, one summary statement, one interpretive statement he gives, which sort of summarizes whole chapters here. So in 1 Corinthians 5, he says, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us, and also 1 Corinthians 5, let's put it down here, again, 
Pardon my voice tonight. <clears throat> First Corinthians 5, he deals with Exodus 13, and I'll just abbreviate this, where he deals with the unleavened bread. See, so 1 Corinthians 5, feast of Passover, Christ our Passover sacrifice for us, Exodus 12. Then 1 Corinthians 5, let us keep the feast of unleavened bread. That's Exodus 13, feast of unleavened bread. And then in the chapter we have here, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, is it? Yes. Uh, see what he covers in just sweeping. One, uh, it's like one interpretive verse covers whole chapters uh, in, in the Old Testament. So uh, he says, uh, I don't want you to be ignorant to how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. So 1 Corinthians 12, we have Exodus 13 and 14 on the cloud. They were baptized under Moses in the cloud and the sea, the baptism of a nation. Okay? And then he says, verse 2, they were all baptized unto Moses, into Moses, the mediator of the old covenant, as we're baptized into Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. In the cloud and the sea, baptism of a nation, water baptism, cloud baptism, Holy Spirit baptism. Then in verse 3, still in 1 Corinthians 10, look at the sweeping chapters he has here. Uh, they did all eat the same spiritual meat. Uh, Exodus, uh, Exodus 15 we'll be coming to in a moment. But he covers Exodus 16 here in verse 2. Spiritual meat, the manna. Okay, well, we've had cause to touch on this before, but the manna. Then in verse uh, 4, they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock to follow them, and that rock was Christ. So 1 Corinthians 10 again, he covers Exodus 17, where the rock was smitten and the waters flowed. The smitten rock. So you see what Paul is doing? He's just covering Exodus 12, 13, 14, 15, which we're looking at tonight, 16, 17, in 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 10, just, just interpretive statements of whole chapters. All right, now, I said all that to say this, verse uh, 6. <clears throat> Pardon me, come out, you little thing. <clears throat> or go down, anyway. You can't get them out, wash them down. <clears throat> Okay, verse 6 and verse 11 is what we're after. Now these things, what things? Things I've just put on the chalkboard, Paul's saying. Well, not quite that way, but things we've put down here. These things were our examples or our figures to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And then uh, after giving some other statements from the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers, down to verse 11, he says, Now all these things happen unto them for in samples and those of you who have the King James marginal reference you'll note the word in samples is the Greek word for two pos uh, or types now all these things happen unto them for types now, as I've often said they weren't types to them as they're having the Passover lamb they didn't say isn't this a marvellous type we're having as they're passing through the Red Sea they didn't say, isn't this a marvellous type we're passing through? <laughs> the cloud, isn't this a marvellous type? And as they're chewing manna and having manna burgers, isn't this a marvellous type? As they're getting the old cows to drink water from the smitten rock, the animals aren't mooing, saying, isn't this a marvellous type we're drinking? Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a type to them. 
It was a real thing, but God takes the historical, and the historical becomes typical, prophetical for us. So all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition. So we're getting admonished tonight. Our admonition upon whom the ends of the world or the ends of the age are come. All right, now let's go uh, way over to Exodus 15 now. And this is what we want to look at a little bit more fully. So first, uh, Exodus 15, and the uh, particular verse is under consideration here, and we've put it out uh, on, your, on your notes here. Okay, so number three on uh, Exodus, Exodus 15, and then uh, on your notes here under, under number three, I've just spelled out the historical setting here, Exodus chapter 1 to 11, the bondage in Egypt the plagues of judgment on the gods of Egypt. And if you didn't get uh, Neil Ryan's excellent article, uh, two-page article or three on the, on the various plagues, the gods of Egypt, uh, see me later and I'll give you one because it's an excellent summary of, of, of the gods of Egypt. That Each of the plagues were a judgment against one of the gods of Egypt so that they would know he was the true god of gods. All right, Exodus 12, Passover deliverance by the body and blood of the Lamb. Exodus 13 and 14, the Red Sea baptism and the clouds to lead and guide to the land of promise. Exodus 15, verses 1 through to 21, a song of the Lord, singing, dancing, rejoicing. The first song that's recorded in the Bible from Adam to Moses. And that's significant because death reigned from Adam to Moses. And so here Moses, through the Passover lamb, they escaped death as the death angel. Pass through the, uh, through the land. So they sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Pointing ultimately to the book of Revelation. All right, now let's pick up in verse uh, 22 <clears throat> of Exodus 15. Now remember, all these things happened unto them for types and examples and are written for our admonition. So in verse 22, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea... And they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called bitter, or bitterness, Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet, there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. The Lord is my healer. And they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water, and three score and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. All right, now let's spell out the type that we have here, Exodus 15 and verses 22 through to 27. Now remember, this is the church in the wilderness, so you fill in where we've got the lines here. This will be your fill-in. So on one side, we've got the Old Testament, the type. Now, as we've said, it's not a type to them. And on the other side, we had the New Testament with the anti-type, which is not against, but over against by way of fulfillment. 
the anti-type type, uh, Old Testament type, uh, the Old Testament church and New Testament anti-type. And we have uh, about four, three or four or five parts of the puzzle here, and we see how beautifully it is fulfilled. So let me just see where we are here. Um, All right, the first thing I want you to note under A is in verse 22. They went three days' journey into the wilderness. Three days' journey. And then the next thing we have, we have the bitter waters. So we'll put down the parts of the uh, typical jigsaw puzzle on this side. Bitter waters... And then in verse 25, after the people complain, uh, Moses cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Then we have, the tree was cast into the waters, and the waters were healed. Healing of the waters. The waters were made sweet. Then we're told that he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you which I brought upon the Egyptians. So what we have here is covenant. Though the word covenant is not used, we have covenantal language. Covenantal language. Those of you who have studied hermeneutics, in our Key of Knowledge seminar, covenantal language. So we have the covenant. And then we have, always relative to covenant, we have redemptive name. A redemptive name. We're studying the redemptive names of God. So the redemptive name of God. And remember we've said in our earlier studies that each of the redemptive names of God are to meet our need. They are, they, they, it's, it's God meeting our need. I will be all that I will be. I will be what I will be. I will be everything that you ever need me to be. So redemptive name of God, and as the redemptive name here is Jehovah, or Yahweh, whatever you're happy with. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. So we have the redemptive name. Now, you'll notice there's a progression in these redemptive names, as we will, once we get to the most compound redemptive name ever to be revealed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which embodies all singular compound Old Testament redemptive names, uh, there's a progression there. So Jehovah, the Lord the Redeemer, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner, the Lord my victory, Jehovah Rapha. It's all in him. It's all in him. So when we, when we know the weapon that the Lord has given us to use his name, not take his name in vain, it's all in his name. Because as we said earlier, his name is himself and himself is his name. So it's a relationship with him. Okay? The Lord my provider, the Lord my victory, the Lord my banner, the Lord my healer. And then the last part of the jigsaw puzzle is in verse 27. I don't know how many you got there. But we have 12. How many? Well, I'll just add a bit more. We have 12 wells of water. 
And then we have 70 palm trees. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Now you'll notice, we touched on this in Bible college last night, 3, 12, 70. 3, 12, 70. All right, now, let's uh, just put in some New Testament antitype. I'd like you to turn over to uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. Just pardon my voice. Matthew, chapter 12. How many think the Bible could be inspired? Good. Okay, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38, which you'll put on the anti-type here. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there will no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights, so you can't get good Friday out of that. Funny how we go to school to learn that three days and three nights are 72 hours and we come to church to learn that uh, three days and three nights are just Good Friday, Saturday and up from the grave arose Sunday. Funny you know. Good Wednesday we believe in. Are you breathing out there tonight? Are you? Okay. For <laughs> And uh, just for your own benefit. The word Easter only mentioned once in the Bible and taken from the Catholic Bible, translated Easter to keep up the pagan festival. The Greek word is Passover. So why didn't they translate it Passover in Acts chapter 12, if you're looking at me funny there, instead of putting Easter? And see, Protestantism has never got free from Romanism. Thank you, Brother Connor. That was an excellent point. Thank you. Verse 40. <laughs> that was just a little tributary there. I just wanted to swim around for a while. Okay, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights. So right through the Gospels we have this emphasis on three days. There are numerous three days in the Old Testament. We have them. Jesus began his ministry with three days, death, burial, and resurrection. That's his ascension Glory, uh, resurrection ministry. Paul began his ministry on three days and three nights without food and water, fasting. So three days always points to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bitter waters. Why don't you put, uh, you can put your scripture down here, Matthew. Revelation chapter 17 says the waters which thou sawest is symbolic of people and nations and tongues. The wicked are like the troubled sea whose waters cannot rest. So waters in the scripture speak of humanity, bitterness that came through sin, humanity. And of course, the tree. We all know what the tree speaks of, don't we? I think some of you have heard me share on this one day, I forget, but let's turn over to a couple of scriptures that you can put here. Uh, let's turn over to the book of Acts. Book of Acts. In fact, if you go, oh, okay, you've got the scriptures under number five, but you can uh, pull a couple of them there. But Acts, let's go to Acts chapter 
5 and verse 30. Let me make a statement here again for those who have not heard me share on this. It's very interesting that the word cross is never mentioned once in the book of Acts. Never once. When it speaks of the death of Jesus, what does it say? Verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on what? A tree. Isn't that beautiful? And I'm not against other translations, but I will say this again, that often new translations in trying to update King James or whatever, they don't like the word tree because they think, oh, people don't know what that means. Let's make it cross. And in changing the word tree to cross, and it's all right to use the cross, the word cross is used in the epistles a number of times, but the uniqueness of the book of Acts is they slew him and hanged him on a tree. And so translations are trying to update the Bible and say, oh, we don't like the word tree. Well, I do because God put it there for some reason. So they put the word cross. Well, we know the tree was a cross, but in, in doing that, they miss, miss something that I want to say again. Okay, so the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Go over to chapter 10 and verse 39. Acts 10, verse 39. And again, we have this word. And, ye are, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a what? A tree. They hanged him on a tree. Him God raised up the third day, showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses. So hanged on a tree. Acts 13 and verse uh, tw uh, 29. 13:29. So Peter uses it. Paul uses it. So Paul, in Acts 13, 29, these are all on your sheet here. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulchre. But God raised him from the dead, the tree. Go over to Galatians chapter 3, Galatians 3 and verse 13. I'll put these references on your notes there. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse. Chapter 2, Paul and Peter, they like to speak of the tree. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. 1 Peter 2 verse 24. <clears throat> Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. And then Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22. Beautiful scriptures here. And the theme, this general Bible theme is so beautiful. Revelation 22 and verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right, the privilege, to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates of the city. Now I've put, them, put the references down on, on your sheet under number five. But when we go back to the beginning, we see how God placed man in a garden of trees and said you can eat of every tree, but the only tree that's forbidden is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we see how in Eden, man sinned by a tree. Curse came by a tree. Sweat and thorns came by a tree. Adam and Eve were the first two thieves 
around a tree. They were cast out of paradise over a tree. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he died on the tree. And I can't, uh, I haven't got time to explain this, but on the death side of the cross, the cross was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now I can't take time to explain it, I'd have to spend the whole night on that. On the death side of the cross, the cross was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. On the resurrection side of the cross, the cross is the tree of eternal life. And I haven't got time to explain all that. So how significant that in the book of Genesis you see the two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of death. You see two thieves around those trees. And you see the tree of eternal life. And these two thieves are cast out of a garden over a tree, a tree that brought sin and sickness and death and the curse. And now Jesus hangs on a tree to restore to us all that we lost in Adam. Don't you appreciate the cross and the tree? And so it was a revelation. Bitter waters, need of healing, bitterness. They came through sin and sickness and the curse and death, need of healing. And, God, uh, and as Moses cried to the Lord, the Lord showed him a tree. Why a tree? He gave him the revelation of a tree. So what a revelation of the tree that we need. And so to him that overcomes, blessed are they that do his commandments. Adam, you failed to do the commandment. You lost the right to the tree of life and you were driven out of the gate of Eden and a cherubim and flaming sword were put there. But now Jesus has gone through the flaming cherubim and sword, death, and he says, now I'll give you the tree of life. To him that overcomes, I'll give thee to the tree of life in the midst of the paradise of God. So Genesis has the two trees. Revelation only has the one tree. What do you think has happened to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Yes, but it's exhausted its fruitfulness in the tragic history of the human race. You think of it. Let's go to number four here as the time moves on. Once you go back to Exodus chapter 15 now, Exodus 15. Everybody understand what I'm saying here? You say amen or oh me? All these things happen unto them for our, our example. So the revelation of the tree. Oh, I need to just add the other bits here then, okay? Uh, let's go way down to here a moment. Uh, Twelve apostles. So Jesus chose 12 apostles and he sent them out with a ministry of healing. Now see, the tree, the three days and three nights of Calvary, Jesus is going to hang on a tree, bring healing to the waters of humanity. Covenant, new covenant. This is the new covenant, the new arrangement, the new testament, the new covenant in my blood. Redemptive name, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. Instead of the Lord that healeth, we have LJC, the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest compound, redemptive healing name in the Lord Jesus Christ and all Old Testament names point to that. Twelve apostles are sent out in healing. Seventy disciples, seventy others. So what do we see in the Old Testament church? In its foundation as a nation. Three, twelve, seventy. 
What do we see in the foundation of the New Testament church in the Gospels? 3, 12, 70. Covenant, covenant. Redemptive name, redemptive name. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly God has made this same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, the tree healing for the whole man. How many think the Bible could be inspired? All these things happen unto them for example and they're written for our admonition. And that's why uh, I, you know, I always... Uh, I think of a nice word. <clears throat> yes, I always sigh for people who say, oh, that's Old Testament. I'm a New Testament believer. That sounds so spiritual, but it's ignorance. How can you do without it? Okay, let's go back to Exodus 15 just for our last few moments. Here. Exodus 15. Now, very important thing that is, uh, is overlooked. And I, what I want to say, I don't want to bring any guilt trip on, you know, a guilt trip on anybody, but things that we so overlook. But it would answer some questions, not every question, but some. You'll notice in verse 20, 26, now when the Lord shows Moses the tree, he throws the tree into the waters, and there's, the waters are healed, and people can drink of the healing waters, the healed waters. So he made them a statute and an ordinance. And notice, we have the covenant of healing, as I've said here, and said if. Now you'll notice two things under one and two. This is number four on your notes here. It's a conditional covenant. Now one of the things that is so often misinterpreted, so on your, on your notes here, just where I'm up to, I'm under number four, and under A, the conditional covenant, one of the things that is so often done with Pentecostal, charismatic people who believe in divine healing, they so often quote, I'm the Lord that healeth thee, I'm the Lord that healeth thee, I'm the Lord that healeth thee, and go around parrot fresh, and I'm the Lord that healeth thee. That's the promise. But one of the things that is so often uh, uh, they fail to do is quote the condition. See, the healing covenant is conditional. Okay? And so it's no use quoting a promise. Are there any unconditional promises? Is there any such thing as we've been taught in the past by some which I found was wrong? And I taught and I was wrong. Unconditional covenants? There's no such thing as an unconditional covenant. There are irrevocable covenants, but not unconditional. And God will keep the covenant in spite of us. But if we want to receive the benefits and the blessings of the covenant, there are conditions for us. Can you say amen? All right, so here it starts off, if. All right, if, the conditional. If what? Two things, number one and two. If you will diligently hearken to the voice. So hearing, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord and will do. So you fill in there as number one. Hearing and doing. If you will hear it, if you will do it. So, and it's, and it's a sort of like a Hebraism where it's sort of repeated twice. Let me read it. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight and repeat it again and will give ear to his commandments and keep. See, so 
Hearken, give ear. Do, keep. So hearing, doing. Hearing, keeping. <laughs> but keep his statutes. Then the promise, I will. So if you, I will. For, so they're the things I've sort of noted. If you, I will, for. My redemptive name is, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord of Healthy. And what tremendous promises. And, you know, when you think of what's going on today, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. Now, I know these are always delicate areas, but if, 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 the, if the cursed disease of AIDS did not affect innocent children and innocent people, then I would be inclined to say, well, praise God. God bringing automatic judgment on that type of lifestyle. Because he said later on, he said, if you don't obey my voice and keep my covenant and obey my words, he said, I will put all the diseases of Egypt upon you. I'll put all the diseases that are mentioned in this book on you and I will put diseases upon you of which you don't know anything about and diseases of which you can never be healed. That's pretty heavy stuff. I don't like it. I didn't say it. I mean, God said that. Take it out on him. Don't blame me. So when I see on the television the other night, you know, say, oh, well, safe sex. Safe sex is abstain from it till you're married. Huh? So why don't they wake up, these people? Huh? They're trying to deal with the curse. And get a cure for the curse, but not get into the cause. Right? Like I told them one night in uh, Principles of Church Life class, this dear sister, week after week and year after year, oh God, brush away the cobwebs, brush away the cobwebs. And finally one sister got tired of hearing this sister praying, brush away the cobwebs year in and year out, and said, oh God, kill the spider. See, now they're just trying to brush away the cobwebs. Let's kill the spider. Sin. Right? Right? And then we have the redemptive name for I am Jehovah, Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. And then on the back page, the back of the page there, and our time's just about up, just put down examples of healing in the Old Testament. God manifested his redemptive power as Jehovah Rapha in Old Testament times. We put a number of illustrations there. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and heals all thy diseases. Then number seven, healing in the New Testament, which we've already referred to. Ministry of Christ, the ministry of the twelve apostles, the ministry of the seventy, and the, uh, the ministry of the believers. He sent his word and healed them. Uh, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 1 as we bring our study to our close. Our time's up here. Isaiah chapter 1. And when we're talking about healing... By his stripes we are here, we were healed, healing waters. I think Isaiah chapter 1 puts it very well here, and verse 5 and 6. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. How many think people are sick in the head today? How many think society's got a sick head? 
reverse mentality, the thinking apparatus is so unbelievable. The whole head is sick. Mental troubles, mental breakdowns, and the whole heart faint. It's way up the top of the list, heart trouble. From the sole of the foot, the walk, even to the head, the thinking, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment, anointing. Wow, what a, what a word that is. And what I've got on the note there, man is sick. Morally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, emotionally, physically, and needs healing for the whole man. And the son of righteousness, S-O-N-S-U-N, shall arise with healing in his wings. And the last thing I put on the sheet there, remember it's important that we understand this, we do not believe in faith healing in Waverley. So don't ever say that. Say, oh yeah, do you believe in faith healing? No. We believe in divine healing. It is divine healing because by divine healing, we mean that healing is in the atonement. Three days, the tree, the covenant. Right? Healing is in the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ because there are lots of cults who believe in healing, faith healing, but they don't believe in divine healing. Faith, of course, is the channel of receiving healing from him who is Jehovah Rapha. Wow. Let me say this as we finish. What would you have done? What would I have done if after being in Egypt where they had some of the greatest of the world's physicians and God takes them out into the wilderness and dumps them. Didn't give them a chance to take their bottles of aspirins and pills and potions. What are we going to do? We'll have to go back to Egypt and get Egypt's physicians and get all this. They were stuck with God. Isn't it terrible? What would we have done? What would I have done? Well, they talk about the church in the wilderness and how many know that we need the Lord to increase our faith? For everything that's involved, just what I said implied. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you once again for the glory of your precious word. That it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. And Father, we just thank you for the glory of your redemptive name. We pray, Lord, that as we share together over these terms, Lord, on the redemptive names, it'll not just be a Bible study, but, Lord, that you'll bring each of us into a closer relationship with yourself and that we'll know you personally and individually and corporately as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer, for the whole man. 
and Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our victory, the Lord our banner. May it not just be Bible studies, Lord, but may we come to know you through your name in a greater and a more personal way and see the power of that redemptive name manifest in our midst and in your body. We ask this for your own name's sake and for your glory in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.